Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pokey Science Remix. Remix? The remix. <laughs> you have to have like the 90s, like background DJ yeah. noise. <laughs> we need to hire the guy that was the DJ for uh, Sugar Ray. He's, no, he's like one jive. No. What you, what you, what you want? Shaq. Shaq's actually a great DJ. I did know that. Eight billion side quests. <laughs> I did see. He's one of them. I did know that. I actually saw him. He had a rap battle with another basketball player. I was trying to remember trying to remember who it was. I heard about yeah, it. Yeah, no, he like does whole like sets at like EDM concerts and stuff though. It's wild. Shaq's a cool dude. He really is. That's why I said he's like <laughs> he has like his main storyline, but he forgets to be on the main storyline. He's just like side quest, city. Yeah, so it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know I don't know much about like his politics. I do know like everything I've heard about him though ever. I've always been like, Aw, he sounds like a good dude. I know, he really does though. We should and everyone who knew him probably when he was in but we Cleveland. don't have a one hundred percent on that. Well everyone I know that met him when he was in Cleveland said he was like really friendly and polite and that he tipped well. Great. Which we that's him. a good sign of the character, right? It is. That's all you need to know. How they how they <laughs> treat someone working at the restaurant <laughs> they go to. You can't decide, like, everyone's character by that, for the most part. All right. Back on topic, the two most ADHD members on cast. (laughs) Welcome, everyone. Today, we are going to talk about fossils, along with our main man, Shaquille O'Neal, because we love him, apparently. (laughs) Does he like fossils? He might like fossils. He probably Should I send him a... I'm going to send him an email, but see if anybody responds. We should tag him in the episode and say, hey, do you like fossils? Yes. I'm going to do that. We should definitely do that. I love that idea. So anyway, fossils. The word fossil comes from the Latin word fossis, which means having been dug up, which makes sense because they're in the ground. Uh, Today, we're going to be taking an in-depth look at fossils and the Pokemon that were created from them. So fossils are the preserved remains or traces of remains of ancient animals or plants. And they are not the remains of the organisms themselves. They're rocks. So there are two main types of fossils, body fossils and trace fossils. Body fossils are any parts of the actual animal or plant. Could be bones, teeth, insect bodies, shells, feathers, leaves, fruits, flowers, nuts. list goes on. Um, trace fossils, on the other hand, are prints. And poop. <laughs> so they're any evidence of the um, organism. So it could be footprints, uh, tracks, swim traces, burrows, um, and even you know feces, fossil feces. All examples of trace fossils. And the resin um, of trees can also become fossilized, and it can trap and preserve some smaller organisms like flies and ants and mosquitoes so like the entire organism can be trapped inside of like sap or resin and then become fossilized i don't know a lot about fossils but what i do know is that it it takes uh tens of thousands of years for things to go through fossilization i also know it's really rare uh because if you're not aware things actually decompose pretty quickly so to become fossilized an organism or the trace has to be covered in sediments like um, pretty quickly after um and the sediment has to come in the form of like sandy seafloor, lava, sometimes sticky tar. And so in the Pokemon games, with the exceptions of like Gen 2, 7, and 9, 
so two-thirds of the time, when a player obtains a fossil of an ancient Pokemon, they have to take the fossil to a scientist to be revived. So the question is, is that a viable option? I know we've talked about that on the show, right? I believe so, yes. I know we have. Yes. What are you going to tell us? So, is it a viable option? Unfortunately, we're going to learn maybe not. So, the Pyrenean Ebex, also known as the Bucardo Goat, in 1999, there was one left. One singular type of this goat left in Spain. Um, her name was Celia, which I think is adorable. And since everyone kind of knew she was the last of her kind, some scientists took some little samples from her little ears, got her DNA. And when she died in 2000, mind you, she got um, crushed by a tree. She didn't die, die like naturally or get killed by an animal. Just a tree fell on her. Poor thing. They took the DNA that they had had in Frozen and cloned the DNA and created 500 embryos. Of these 500 embryos, 154 were implanted into female goats. And of those 154 implants, only five um, ended up with in pregnancies. And only one ended up with a live birth. This live birth only lasted like this animal only lasted for seven minutes after it was born, but it is the only known case of de-extinction where an animal was extinct, they brought it back to life, and it is also the only animal to have been become extinct twice. So far. Without, so far. <laughs> you're correct. <laughs> like, insert the Simpsons meme right there. <laughs> the Simpsons know something we don't. <laughs> um. I, I do want to add that it's my understanding from uh, both biologists we've interviewed and paleontologists that we can't uh, bring back animal, like we can't clone them the way we imagine, like with Jurassic Park, we would have to find a close to, close enough genetic relative. So to like, implant the embryo. To and... implant the, yeah, but like, so that means if we did clone like a mammoth, it wouldn't actually be a mammoth because it's be a mammothfant <laughs> yes it would you are correct obviously in the case of celia there are several other types of goats and they actually implanted the embryos into a couple different species of goats of female goats so there's really not a way to do dinosaurs then is there probably listen i'm thinking chickens <laughs> might work <laughs> chickens are super close relatives of dinosaurs well i know that but like 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 for for seropods i right no theropods not seropods i get them mixed up i seropods are the four-legged right yeah. yeah i don't i don't yeah i don't know about that one maybe there's some lizard or crocodile no or i don't know i don't know type. chelsea chelsea we need your chelsea's answer. we're gonna have to come back to chelsea for that one but i'm <laughs> i'm voting chickens but in the case of celia obviously they were able to create one live creature to bring back from extinction but as I said, it only lasted seven minutes. And they also had frozen Celia's DNA prior to her death. So enabled, like, to create something from a fossil, you would have to be able to extract DNA from that fossil. Unfortunately, fossils, like Madison mentioned, take, you know, tens of thousands of years 
to become fossils, and DNA has a half-life of uh, 521 years. So you're going to have a really tough time extracting any DNA from a fossil, let alone any DNA that is usable to be able to be cloned. And like Madison had mentioned, you'd have to find an animal that was a close enough relative to be able to implant the cloned embryo into. So it's looking like a no from me. <laughs> um, so one of... <laughs> Sorry, kids. So all your dreams to bring back dinosaurs. It's <clears throat> to be fair, like I would rather bring back other stuff anyways. Well, the big problem is that dinosaurs are, for the most part, a lot of the dinosaurs were humongous. And um, it's that. really what caused some havoc in the ecosystem and all of the current animals that we have hanging out on planet Earth here for use of resources, food, all that type of stuff, too. Which, So in the long run, it'd be cool to maybe clone a dinosaur, but I don't think it would be in anyone's best interest. So in Gen 9, in our latest games here, they actually don't have any fossil Pokemon, but they do have those Paradox Pokemon from you know, past and future relatives of current Pokemon. So maybe Pokemon knows something we don't, and um, time travel is scientifically more realistic than um, cloning some fossils. I'm <clears throat> I'm not going to lie. I haven't gotten to play the DLC at all because my life is insane, and I really want to. I'm really jealous of everyone who has. But are, are they actually time traveling? Well, I... Because I feel like the new game, like especially the paradox things, aren't really time travels. I thought. No, I think they're on like a different time, different timeline. Line. Yeah, yeah, but still, like, like, like I'm saying, like like message, DC Comics Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah, like different glitches in time and messing with time, maybe. Or Might is everything everything going multiversal? <laughs> Into the multiverse. Everything's multiversal. All the fossil Pokemon up to Gen 7 have some combination of rock type, which makes sense. Fossils are actually rock. They are actually the mineral, not the actual living creature. The tissue itself is actually replaced with the, uh, what is that, carbon? I'm not going to lie. This was not my, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> I do got to say, and we did a whole episode on this. I know when it came out that in Gen 8, Sword and Shield uh, has fossil Pokemon. And these were the, you had to combine them to make two. We did a whole episode about that uh, back when it came out. And we talked about this being a play on the fact that dinosaur fossils, especially, are notorious for purposeful uh, misrepresentation and miscategorization, where people will take bones and parts of different living organisms and be like, hey, look, this is a new thing. So it was kind of like a slight and a joke at paleontologists. <laughs> More so, though, to be honest, not paleontology of the field, more so capitalism, but, you know, here we are. So, uh, but obviously we're going to talk about uh, Dragazolt, Dracovish, uh, was it Archazolt and Arctivish? I love Dragovish. It's one of my, like, favorite fossils. That and uh, Tyrant are, like, my two favorites. No, sorry, not Tyrant. I don't know why I said Tyrant. Haley likes Tyrant. I like Cranidos. Apparently I don't know what I like today because it's been a long day. I... Cranidos is cute, though, isn't it? 
Yes, Cranidos is cute. I have loved Paco Cephasaurus ever since the Lost World of Jurassic Park and that one rams the guy right through the car. I have loved it ever since. Like, best dinosaur ever. (laughs) Honestly, I think the cutest um, fossil Pokemon is Kabutops, even though he looks like... Wait, for real? I don't know why. I just think it's adorable. <laughs> Haley has a collection of uh, fossil Pokemon plush. She, because she was really into paleontology for a while. Uh, her favorite, I think, was Dracosult. Yeah. She no, I mean, there's, I mean, they're all kind of cool in their own way. Yeah, but yeah. For some reason, and I know it's not cute, but like in my brain, I think it's adorable. So going back to the R four <laughs> from Sword and Shield, they obviously cannot breed, being that they are some sort of non. Like it's almost like a mule, right? Like they're they're infertile because of the way that they're put together. Yeah. yeah. So it it's weird though because a lot of people think that all like crossbred animals are infertile, but there's definitely different levels of this. Like mules are known to be infertile, um, but a lot of other animals, especially if they're crossbred between us, the same like species are obviously able to reproduce like ligers um the the females can actually reproduce they have eggs the males are fertile are infertile but the females can actually reproduce with another tiger or a lion so not all are but there is a varying degrees of inability to reproduce between crossbred animals so it makes sense that all of these four would not be able to reproduce i also find it interesting that none all of the four none of them have are they're all genderless we got to respect our non-binary the pokemon Uh, absolutely i just was like i mean i understand the point of making certain pokemon genderless so that they can't reproduce um yeah like realistically i I know you and i were just sharing an article earlier today about someone who's a uh, crimeism yeah a woman with crimeism like to be fair, like, you know, sex and gender are, or sex itself, biological sex is enormously complex, as is reproduction. Yeah. And it, it's just kind of insane to think of how crazily complex all of this can be and how much variance there is. Yeah, there's a ton of variance. And I don't know, everyone thinks that it's either like just two X's or an X and a Y, but there are a lot of different varying combinations. Uh, actually, most of your, you know, athletes um professional athletes you know your basketball players your football players that are you know those really big guys really good at sports they They usually have an extra y chromosome so there are tons and tons of varying combinations there and i hope at some point we can do an episode about that that is on my list of things to do but life (laughs) yeah no i would have fun with that one there are i mean there's some that obviously cause difficulties for people depending on the like chromosomes that they end up with in excess and then there's obviously some that like i said you know you got your professional athletes so let's talk about our pokemon friends here first off i have drakazole so drakazole is a combination the name comes from a combination of draco latin for dragon and volter jolt as its combination of dragon and electric type Pokemon. As we will see, all of the names of our fossil Pokemon for Gen 8 are super creative. 
that's a joke because they're all very straightforward. Hey, you stop that. They're they amazing. Are. They're amazing. I mean, didn't say they weren't amazing, but I'm literally, it's the, they're very literal with those namings. Um, yeah. So its top half appears to be based on, uh, seems to be based on a Dromeo sword. Well, its bottom half appears to be based mainly on a Stegosaurian. The Dromaeosaurids are a family of Cretaceous feathered theropod dinosaurs made famous by the Velociraptors of Jurassic Park. Here's your chance if you have any more Jurassic Park jokes. So they're often nicknamed raptors. Velociraptors often appear very lizard-like in, you know, pop culture, especially in your Jurassic Park movies. But they're actually more bird-like. Um... This is because birds and dromaeosaurids share a common ancestor in the early Jurassic. Shared characteristics means birds and your raptors are going to include hollow bones, flight feathers, wings, a stiffened tail, body design, and even a wishbone. So if you're trying to have a Thanksgiving raptor, Uh there you go. I mean, um, and they're that sounds, actually that sounds delicious, of, though. <laughs> well, they're actually. What did you eat? Thanksgiving wrapper. About the, the size of a turkey. That was about their size, turkey sized. Um, and I just think it's wild that they had feathers. What the like, the raptors? Raptors, because that's what I'm saying. Like anytime you see a raptor in like. <clears throat> to be fair, so I do know this one. I they knew. Uh, sorry, so researchers knew that they had feathers before Jurassic Park was made and it was a movie choice because I thought it would be scarier without it. No, I think a feathered animal and you're like, wait, is it going to fly and like, come <laughs> at my head? Like, I think it'd be scarier with feathers. I don't know. I mean, I'm tend to be in agreement here, uh, but it is, you know, that's kind of what happened. Creative license. Yay. Yeah. But Yeah. They were feathered, which I think is wild. And that's why I think that if we were going to get enough DNA, we're going to make raptors and we're going to put them inside chickens. I love raptors. That's what I'm saying. That's what that's that's my one hope. If we're going to if we're going to recreate a dinosaur, if we scrape together enough DNA, we could definitely like a turkey or a chicken could be surrogate mommy. Right. Yeah, thank you. Just let me keep having a thought in my brain. <laughs> well, I know it's not going to happen, but also, I can... like, a, a good note for anyone who doesn't know this is uh, that <clears throat> velociraptors actually were the size of like golden retrievers. Yeah, no, that's what I was saying. Because they like, and a lot of them were like turkey sized over so between turkey. Well, no, and but like velociraptors specifically. So the, mo- the, oh, the dinosaur, the dinosaur in Jurassic Park, the movie is actually Dionychus, which is, which is a subspecies of raptor. But it is not Velociraptor. It's not the Velociraptor. Yeah. yeah. I actually, like, I love raptors. I have raptor claws. Um, I was a big, like, dinosaur, like, freak like Haley growing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that Haley, I love that, like, Haley takes things, like, from me without, like, me ever having to introduce it. Like, I'll just turn around and be like, oh, you like Power Rangers now. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. What was your, what's your favorite dinosaur? I already said it. Pachycephalosaurus. Oh. I like the dome skull. It's cute. I like Brachiosauruses because they're just gentle giants. I are they? They're... Maybe. Or are they murderous? They could be murderous, too. Maybe they're out there with a vengeance. 
But I also feel like they were just trying to have a little tree snack and everyone thought they were mean because they were big. <laughs> well, and, and they them. sneezed on Lex. <laughs> well, listen, I love them and I think they're adorable and I would want one. And I don't know where I would put it because it'd be bigger than my house, but I would want one. So, back on track because we're terrible at this. So, we talked about these velociraptors. They have, you know, their feathers. They're related to the birds in way of common ancestry. So, the signature boot of both uh, Dracozole and Arctozole yeah. is Boltbeak. So, Boltbeak doesn't seem, though, like it fits with the Pokemon that you're seeing in front of you and the fact that they are kind of have that dinosaur-esque vibe going on. But the fact that they're both have relation or maybe were somewhat designed after the Velociraptor would make sense that, you know, Boltbeak and, you know, they have all the commonalities of birds that they would have this move called Boltbeak. Um, and it's used to stab the target with their beak, even though neither Pokemon does actually appear to have a beak. Um, and it's an electrified move. Which is fun. Yes. Because electricity is great. Electricity is great. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the, like... the most fun types to use, I think, just because of the lack of, like, weaknesses in general. <laughs> There are a lot of lack of weaknesses. Electricity. Huh? I was being, I just said electricity. Yeah, yeah. Static shock, yo. I was just, I was just staticking away through the mic. Can we name it static shock? Static shock. See, this is why the two of us shouldn't be allowed to do episodes alone together ever. <laughs> no, because somebody needs to keep us on track and I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why you and I are like friends in real life. I love you so much. <laughs> Uh, All right, back to topic. This is going to be an interesting little episode we have here. Our Stegosauria is a group of herbivores, dinosaurs that lived in the Middle Jurassic to Early Cretaceous period, and they could be found in Asia, around China. That's where they were originally found. North America, Africa, and Europe, which is also interesting because it shows how all of our continents kind of used to be lumped together as one. Which I find very interesting. And like I said, the um, earliest known Stegosaurus was found in China. Which is what is super cool. Because that's something we talked about in the fossil episode too. That <clears throat> a lot of fossils either came from... Uh, there's obviously a lot in North America. Uh, but China's been like a huge, you know, huge uh, place for paleontology. Um, I'm going to change directions though. We're going to talk about Arctizold who I am not a huge fan of. Uh, it's just not my favorite. Obviously, the name is a combination of Arctic and Volt or Jolt, uh, suggesting that it's an electric ice type. Totally is. So top half, clearly, uh, so Dromaeosaurid. 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 Uh, the bottom half appears to be more like a marine reptile, maybe like an uh, Ichthyosaur. And I also want to say that I don't really like Arctozold either, so that's why I had you talk oh, about Oh, got it. Arctizold. No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to let you, you... Talk, you take the two that I like the most. So we're good. So uh, okay. Ichthyosauruses are a type of carnivorous uh, marine reptile. They kind of looked like uh, dolphins and sharks. 
This group oh. includes the largest marine reptiles that we've known like to date. So some of their fossil records of the ichthyosaurs are somewhere between 21 and 23 meters. So for my friends in the U.S., that's what? That's a 60 feet or so? I'm trying to think. Because like a meter is close to a yard. And a yard's about yards three feet. So it's somewhere around 50 to yeah. 60 feet. Yeah. Pretty big. I was like, I know how tall I am in centimeters. And I was trying to like do the conversion from how tall I am. Yeah. So though though some of them were huge, the average size of ichthyosaurs, the group in general, is about like two to four meters. Um, they're often compared to modern day uh oh my god, cetaceans. Is that how we say that? I always say it wrong. Cetaceans. Yeah. Cetaceans. 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 Yeah, and those are like the whales and dolphins, the 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 mammalia uh in the water. And that's just because of them both being air breathing. And the fact that they're able to give birth to live young. I will say, though, I always thought it was not an ichthyosaur. I always thought it was like a plesiosaur. The bottom half. You're sure? It, it, it had like be. Nessie vibes to me big time. Yeah. And plesiosaurs no, are different, was, too. Because plesiosaurs are not. Are plesiosaurs reptiles or dinosaurs? Complexity of it's all a, of this. It's a reptile. Okay, sure. No, because I I wanted to give a couple other options of things that they could be based off of, and I I talked about plesiosaurs uh, and um, plesiosaurs actually so. are reptiles. I was okay. You were right. Uh, yeah, and those those things are pretty big too. Those are like what seven feet to gigantic. <laughs> yes. So either way, you know, whether it's ichthyosaur or plesiosaur, there there were aquatic reptiles, and it, it's worth noting that I mean, this is the time period where obviously dinosaurs having relations to reptiles and birds. Uh, you know, this is a time period where a lot of these things have this giganticism, and we've talked about that in the show before. Uh, oxidization led to giganticism uh, over many different millennia. Uh, I'm curious to see if we'll uh, if or, I'm curious if Earth would ever have that again. That's that's one thing I want. I, I'm curious about. Yeah. No. Giant yeah, squid. So I, um, I imagine it's not going to be humans. We'll be gone by then. Will the Earth still be here? Will yeah. It, Earth. 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 Earth's gonna, will Earth's, our good old sun still be burning along? <laughs> Earth and the sun are going to exist way after us. I know that. Well, I know that. I'm just saying, with long enough for a you know a population of giants to take back over. I don't know. Uh, eventually, the Earth will settle itself, I bet. It will. All right, so let's go on and talk about my favorite baby. Dracovish. Oh, he's so cute. Again, Latin word for dragon and fish. And it's a water dragon type Pokemon. He is so cute. He's so sweet. So, <laughs> of all the four fossil Pokemon, they all look strange. They all look like somebody just like took two halves of something and just were like let me th slam these together but uh dracovish is definitely one of the more strange looking ones and he looks terrifying but like in a good way like he looks like they look like they're going to just really do you well in battle it looks like someone just cut off the tail and the very hind legs of a dinosaur and just put a fish head on the end of the tail the body doesn't even go together in any way shape or form that would would be correct so in the case of dragfish its bottom half appears to be based mainly on the stegosaurian dinosaur while its top half appears to be based on 
the fish. I'm trying. You know I'm bad at words. I can't go an episode without mispronouncing something. That's my job. <laughs> Dunkleosteus. Yeah, Dunkleosteus. So you know that thing? Yeah. They they uh we have them in we have them in Cleveland. There's the big one at um the Natural History Museum. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I used to love the Natural History Museum when I was a kid. Yeah, Lila Lila and I my parents were like Oh, you get to pick something fun to do. I was always about the Natural History Museum. Loved it. So Dunkleosteus um, was a large fish that lived in the late Devonian period, about 382 to 358 million years ago. Estimated to have grew to 4.1 meters or around 12.3 feet which is terrifying to think about. Imagine like just swimming away in your local lake or in coming across that. And it was the top predator of its time. And the Paleozoic era as a whole. So Dunkleosteus are in the league with Tyrannosaurus Rex and the modern crocodiles as having the most powerful known bite. Even worse than the crocodile from Lake Placid. Yes. <laughs> this is something. Why doesn't someone make a horror movie about this? Like, yeah, we have every other stupid say. dinosaur and like extinct animal. Like, why don't we get this thing? Yeah, because this actually sounds terrifying. Just, <laughs> and, it, and it's you know, like armored. How, how do you... Group of teens going on their summer like, vacation. It'd be like armored cabin. jaws. It's yes. like armored it'd jaws. Be so much scarier than jaws. Armored jaws, <laughs> and and instead of a dana dana, like it would be played on a steel drum. <laughs> yes, but then like it, they, there could be like a funny cameo moment where it actually just like hits the side of the boat and like in tandem with like its theme music. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're selling you guys great ideas here. <laughs> Feel free to steal them. <laughs> You're probably this, not that great. This is what happens when two ADHD people hang out and have too many ideas. We need people who are more good at staying focused than the two of us. Yeah, that's that's definitely it. It's we're not we're not the ones. <laughs> we're like we're like Daphne and Shaggy trying to solve the mystery. <laughs> Can I be Shaggy? I mean, I don't want to be captured all the time. Or wait, sure. Okay. <laughs> I just want to get lost in the kitchen. Be like, oh, I was just making a snack, uh, and then fine. accidentally stumbled upon a clue. So back to Dunkley, Dunk, <clears throat> Dunkley's Dunkley So anyway, the giant, the good jaw. It's got the jaw of death, not jaws. And that jaw. is. <laughs> that would jaw. be the name of the movie, Jaw. <laughs> not you know gonna get copyright struck or anything. <laughs> So, anyways, it's got this jaw. Good chance that's where uh, its signature move, the vicious rend, is kind of based off. It's a damage dealing water type move, and it is a bite. So, um, super powerful move. Base power doubles to 170. Um, if during the turn, or if the target switches during the turn, that a uh, vicious bite is used and it also uh strong jaw further increases power by 50%. And 
our main Pokemon, Dracovish here, is probably one of the most powerful Pokemon in the Galar region, in my opinion. I don't know if you agree with that. Uh, of the Dracovish? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the thing is stupid useful. That's why it was on, like, every stupid team. Also, yeah, I love that's it, though. That's what I'm saying. I love it because I just think it's, like, it's, like, uh, that teddy bear in Ant-Man when the little girl gets it and she's like, it's yeah. cute. I love it. That's how I feel about this thing. Yeah. I want to hug no, it so bad. It's definitely like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like a lot. I mean, not a lot. There are useful other fossil Pokemons, but I think Dracovich of all the fossil Pokemon is probably. Oh, by far. Yeah. Definitely getting the most bang for your buck. Yeah. It, it definitely has gotten the most use. Cause I'm trying to think. Uh, so Kabutops in early meta in gens one through three, obviously Kabutops was okay. Uh, yeah, Ammonite actually was good for a long time too because of rapid spin. Uh, Gen three, I don't think Lilip actually Lilip Lilip gets used sometimes because of uh, its its abilities are useful. Yeah. Um, Gen four did Gen four have a fossil? Uh, oh, Gen four is Cranidos, duh. Yeah. And Shieldon. Haley has those. Uh, no, they weren't very good. Uh, Gen 5 had Archon. And, oh my god, who was the other one with Archon? I'm trying to remember. It was Archon and, oh, uh, Tortoga. I should know that. Duh. No, I guess that thing didn't really get used either. Uh, Aerodactyl, I guess, kind of sometimes does. Oh, Aerodactyl, yeah, especially no, in, in older like, meta. That's why I know you couldn't think of it, because he's unfortunately pretty forgettable. I'm sorry. Older meta Aerodactyl had lots of use. Uh, the Amura line, not really. It, people thought it would. Tyrant, not really either. Yeah, I guess, honestly, as far as like competitive meta goes, I would probably say Dragovish has probably been the most the most sustaining during a long changing meta. I yeah. guess that's the best way to put it, because earlier metas were not as changing. Uh, I mean, like, Gen 1 and Gen 1, you always had to have Persian because the way critical hits worked. But, like, you know, uh, Sword and Shield meta was complex, shifting, always changing, and I feel like Dragovish actually did a really great job of standing out. And especially since I feel like the other three don't really have anywhere near it. Uh, Dragosult did. Dragosult had a lot of use. Yeah, but I feel like... Dragosult was on a lot of teams, too, actually. Uh, I remember it won... I thought it won one of the champions, or one of the... uh, the uh, tournaments is one of the bigger ones because remember Haley and I watching it. Yeah. yeah. But Dragovish and Dragazolt have been pretty great. Anyways. And then we're um, going to finish off our with Arctivish. Arctivish yes. is named obviously a combination of Arctic and fish. <laughs> great. Real, like I said, they were real clever with these names. Uh, it's a water ice type. I mean, like to be fair, in, in Japanese, Gengar's name is Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> It's not like it's the fair. original games were super, you know, super great at names either. Mr. Mime. Uh, so Ar- Archivist, uh, the the top half uh, seemed to be, um, was it, oh my god, I can never say that. It's Ain Ainictuzun? Ainictuzun sounds good, yes. So Arthropod is in Scotland. Um reconstructed upside down though it's probably also related to our dunk dunkle friend it could just be dunkle upside down we don't know yeah because again the joke the joke really is that a lot of fossils 
So that's kind of where the whole debate Brachiosaurus and Brontosaurus came up or different types of raptors too, is the miscategorization and the misidentification of fossils. And a lot of time it's not necessarily driven by the scientific community, but obviously by money. <laughs> um, so this, uh, this group though, that we're saying the Anacatuzun, uh, extinct uh, genus, uh, I guess they're like a fossil organism from, I was that in Scotland. They, yeah. their biology uh, and their evolutionary relationship, it's not really well understood. So it may have been like an early chordate, uh, but possibly an arthropod or maybe a crustacean. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. So I guess. But their, their name actually means Greek for enigmatic animal because we don't know. It's the Edward Nigma of the Pokemon world. <laughs> So its bottom half, though, seems to be maybe a plesiosaur, like we said, uh, or the other, our other great god, the great guy, the ichthyosaurus. Uh, plesiosaur is Greek for almost lizard. <laughs> uh, they're large, long-necked, four-flippered marine reptiles that lived in oceans, lakes, rivers, swamps during Jurassic and Cretaceous. Uh, they, despite their aquatic lifestyles, are reptiles and not fish, so they did have to breathe air. It's also worth noting that there might be one hidden in Loch Ness. Wait, is that what what Bessie would be in Lake Erie? The Lake Erie monster? Sure, yeah. But also, I have like one thing that I'm really going to have to look into more on my dinosaur scale, or maybe you know, since you know so much about dinosaurs. So it seems like a lot of animals could like live in different types of water like it's like oh they could be found in oceans and lakes and rivers and whereas like i feel like today most animals either need to be a freshwater or a saltwater so do we think there were differences in the construction of the you know i mean water I, or what do we, like, i would imagine that, that we'd have similar well okay so that's a good question because at one point we had pangea but there still had to be freshwater on the continent within lakes but was yeah, it always, you know, what I mean? no, I understand. Yeah. I understand the question. So you're asking about the rate at which salt water would become fresh water through the water cycle itself. That's an interesting question. And I feel like we'd have to ask like a paleochemist. Yeah. I so don't I'm know. Gonna, I'm going to follow up maybe on a later <laughs> episode, just if I found the answer to that, because <laughs> it just popped into my head. And now I really need to know. And if anyone else needs to know, I mean, I, I would imagine that. Or if just, anyone knows the answer, please let me know. I mean, I think we can compare it to the water now, right? Like we know that glaciers or ice sheets like on Antarctica are freshwater, but when they break off, they go into the ocean. So they would eventually become part of the salt water. So I would imagine that the opposite could be true too. I mean, it'd be desalinization, but like a natural way. But that, I mean, that would take like hundreds of, you know, millions of years. Yeah. No, I was just something I find curious, like that they weren't just found in what we would currently know as a freshwater or a saltwater area. Yeah, for sure. Well, everyone. Thank you for listening to the ramblings of Brittany and Madison today. <laughs> it and was a little fun. bit of information about fossils. It was fun. I had a good time. It was fun. Uh, I, I hope you guys all enjoyed. I, I, I appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, make sure, you know, you give us a like on whatever streaming service you're listening to. And uh, we if really you could share the show it. with just one friend, we would appreciate it. Yeah, share with your friends. 
Let them know, hey, these people are weird. Legit, coming at this on Discord, I appreciate everyone who's been active there lately. And yeah, it seems like there's definitely been a lot more. It's been on my list to get us doing some community events here. I'm I'm really trying. Life has been fun. Life has been life, and we're trying our best, and we'll hopefully have. Some I think everyone's trying soon. their best, and that's why I'm we do pr- appreciate all of you, though. And that's why I'm proud of everyone on staff. I think everyone's trying their best. You know, like life's hard. It is hard. It is, but it at is. least we're all pushing through. Well, that's why it's important to find people you love. So later, guys. On that note, we love you all. Goodbye. Au revoir.